The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to another one of our podcasts uh, on raising the leadership standard. Um, I'm here today with Clayton Christensen. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Leadership and Self-Deception, a book by the Arbinger Institute. So yeah, let's get into this Leadership and Self-Deception. And, and, and I'll tell you this, this book was really one of the first two focus books in this organization, along with Good to Great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a little bit different because it's easy to read. It's not as complex as mm-hmm. as good to great. It's just one big concept that is taught over and over again through through a story. And and really applying this principle, I I think since the time I decided I wanted to do this podcast on this topic until we've been able to schedule it and and be here together today, mm-hmm. I just keep seeing more and more how essential this principle is in leadership. And if you read it superficially, you'll sort of miss out on the greatness. I, mm-hmm. I think I've read it three or four times. I think the most recent time was my fourth time and and realize, you know, more and more, gosh, I there's so much more to this than I first realized. That's, that's really interesting. I can't really tell by the name in, in detail, but what you know, why is this such a big principle and like specifically what yeah. is it teaching and and why does it matter to you? So let's let's get into the concept first. We'll go into this slowly because, again, it's just one principle that we have the whole <laughs> in one book. But I think sometimes when people hear the core value of love one another, mm-hmm. they think, oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. They you know, think, uh, that's uh, cute. <laughs> you know, I agree. We should, we should you know? love everybody. But then then you dig in with the questions like, OK, well, what about the people that are hard to love? Right. And, and right. can I just decide to love them or don't they have to change for me to love them? How right. do I love the unlovable? And. And, and it's not so easy at that is, point anymore. What the heck does this have to do with uh, business, right? Is this <laughs> is this some sort of religious cult that I'm joining? Or right? And and I think the book Leadership and Self Deception really hits at the core of all of this and helps us to understand what really matters and mm-hmm. and and what really will change your life. I, I I can't stress this enough. I honestly feel like this principle, properly understood, would dramatically improve your turnover numbers, your culture. Uh, in fact, I'd even say it this way. If your turnover numbers are high, mm-hmm. you are likely in the box towards... In fact, I won't say likely. You are in the box towards your employees. <laughs> I'm assuming we're going to get into this turn in the yeah, box we were, as well, right? And and I'd, I'd highly recommend... I was actually just talking with one of our administrators in West Texas this morning, Brian Starkey, and, and he said he's... Uh, currently reading this book with his team, and I, I'd highly recommend you and your department heads team read this together. If because if you're if you're able to put this in practice, mm-hmm. I just think you'd see some incredible stability. And, and but that's I sort of misstated that this this isn't something that you put in practice. Mm-hmm. It's 
a way of seeing the world. It's a it's a paradigm. Mm. I, I'm I'm not talking about your actions or your words or how you treat people. This is a way of being. Mm. It's a way to change sort of how you see the world and and could be, I sound like a salesman, it could be the most <laughs> valuable paradigm shift you'll ever make, right? Oh, for the what low price. What would you expect of... to pay for this? $99? No. <laughs> I, I, it's, it, it, you know, it, it really will change how you see the world. And, and uh, I think this sort of goes along the lines, and I'm going to paraphrase it, what Maya Angelou is famous for saying, mm-hmm. that people will will not remember, they'll forget what you say or what you do, et cetera, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And I I sometimes, you know, as I go around talking about turnover and other things like this, I hear leaders say, I'm implementing all these programs. It just isn't working. When in reality, it's not more programs that they need. It's they need to get outside of the box with their people. Okay, this was this is this has been a good a good preamble warm up. This is right. a good warm up. What um, is it to be out of the box? Yeah, <laughs> now um, yeah. let's jump into some of the details here. Okay, so the example they use in the book, and I really like this, is imagine a baby learning how to crawl. Okay. She pushes herself all around the house, scooting around, oftentimes scooting backwards, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. getting stuck in furniture, <laughs> banging into chairs. Oh, and, man, and I just snort laugh. Thank I've, you, Chris. <laughs> I've had this. I've had this where one of my my babies, you know, is 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 trapped in the furniture and they start, you know, <laughs> screaming and they're they're stuck and they're so frustrated. And 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 even as hard as this baby pushes uh, to, you know, trying to get out of these situations, mm-hmm. she gets more stuck, right? Right. And just getting, and getting causes more her frustration. To more. Now, now imagine now, now let's turn this to fantasy. Now mm-hmm. imagine this baby should, could talk right. and, and what she would say. <laughs> Can you see her blaming the furniture? Absolutely. Like this furniture, I can't move because this furniture is in my way, right? Uh, absolutely. She's doing everything she can think of and doing it as hard and using her as much of her strength and it just doesn't work. Right. It's not her fault. The problem can't be hers. <laughs> it's the furniture. Right? <laughs> exactly. But see, here's the thing. This is the whole self-deception thing. Mm-hmm. It is hers. Mm-hmm. She just can't see it. See, she can't see that she is the problem. Leaders sometimes find themselves in impossible situations regarding turnover and they blame the furniture. Well, the market is doing this <laughs> right. and they're offering this much down the street and this is happening. And and the most empowering thing that you can do is realize that it's you. Hmm. That you're this concept can be so life-changing and and so, I guess, organization changing. We we've got to understand this. You know, you again, you can say, well, I'm doing everything I can possibly be doing. I'm the first one to arrive at work. I'm the last one to leave. I can't work any harder. It's just impossible. The reality is it's possible. Yeah. It doesn't require you to work harder. It, it, it requires you to change how you see people. When you change the way you see people, those people will change. And ev- and I think everything changes. This is what self-deception is. It, it blinds you to the true cause of the problems. And once you're blind, all the solutions you can think of won't fix things. Right. And sometimes it makes them worse. Because <laughs> you're, you're even right, more stuck you're in the furniture. Right. Further into right. the furniture, and 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 this is why it matters to leadership. Your job as a leader is to make things better. But if you're self-deceived, you'll be undermined in your decisions and you'll keep blaming the furniture hmm. the i guess i'd state it this way the problem is you don't know the problem you can't handle it. you don't <laughs> know the problem yeah no it's not you can't handle the truth <laughs> the you. problem is you don't know the problem 
No, that's that's uh, that actually makes a ton of sense to me, and it seems like uh, I've I've seen this myself in in different situations, and, and certainly run into it myself. Um, certain leaders, when they go into operations, uh, they they really just seem to have a way of turning them around. When sometimes when, just by virtue of yeah. them showing up, <laughs> when other folks change. just it seemed impossible, right? I, I mean, I know I I know I overuse this, and I you know my buddy Chase Gunderson out in uh, out in. Nampa, mm-hmm. uh, but it was very quick. It was it was within weeks that they got out of agency and that turnover stopped. And it was it's just a different feeling when you see people outside of the box. When you see people as people, you know they they start to change. So the subtitle of the book is "Getting Out of the Box." Um, sometimes people mistake that with thinking outside of the box, or they think, <laughs> yeah, they think that it's talking about that same phrase as thinking outside of the box. Yeah. So, so could you clarify really what it means to get outside of the box? With yeah, people? It, and it'll start simple, and you'll think, okay, duh. But, but you know, <laughs> hopefully, we'll talk about it some more. And it's simply this: we are all people. We all have hopes and dreams and feelings and things that are important to us. Mm-hmm. When I am outside of the box with you, I see you as this person that has hopes and needs and cares and fears. I don't see you as an object. Mm-hmm. I see you as a human. Okay. Okay. So it, it helps me to think of the opposite. If I'm in the box with you, okay. if I see you as an object, you are are something that either makes my life easier or frustrates me. (laughs) So I can actually be in the box with you and still like you because I like you. You make my life easier. So I like you. That's really interesting. I hadn't I hadn't looked at that. We always think like that, that there's yeah. a negative thing, yeah. but I, I, I can like huh. you even if I'm in the box with you, right? Because right. because it is because of what you do for me that I like you instead <laughs> okay. of being concerned. Because really, it's right. selfish. I'm concerned about me. That's really interesting. I'm concerned about, you know, these CNAs are always late and, and they make my job harder. And so I'm in the box towards them because mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking of them as objects that cause my life to be more frustrated. Okay. Either way, if I, I don't think of you in your humanity, you're just sort of a cog in my wheel. When I'm in the box... I tend to be more demeaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to be more punishing, more disdainful. I get, I get frustrated with laziness and incompetence. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, ask yourself if you've ever felt like you've had to put up with people. That phrase, yeah, I have to right, put up with right. this person, or that you're stuck with the people that you're stuck with, and that makes your job as as a leader more difficult. Even you saying those phrases just make me cringe thinking about my throughout we my do, life. We all yeah. do this. If if you're sitting there saying no, I don't, then I, you're self-deceiving right i mean it's <laughs> right. just this is this is how we get naturally and i you know if, if that's true uh then then you're in the box and again we think everyone else is the problem not us that's the self-deception we think that if, oh, if if even if my market leader would just realize this or if my my partner or or my team or and that's self-deception when we learn to change the way we see people the people we see will change and uh you know it's it's an absolute truth that that they will they feel something different. We we can't fake our way th- through this one. It's not how we talk to them. It's not, well, I use such soft intonations and <laughs> right, I right. smile so much right. and all of that. Uh, you know, we, we just, this this is huge. Okay, so I, I think deep down um, we know this phrase is true and I, and I want to share this one with you. Okay. It says, and this is a quote from the book, 
We can tell how other people feel about us, and it's to that that we respond. So it's not so much how they treat me. Mm -hmm. It's not so much how they talk to me, anything like that. Really what I respond to is how somebody feels about me. That's a totally accurate statement. But I think sometimes as leaders, we try and fake that. Our feelings towards people, which which we do control, might be the very source of the problem. Your frustration with your teams might be the source of the problem. And and you might say, Hmm. well, I tell my people all the time how much I appreciate them. Yeah. But then you come back into your office and you talk to me or somebody else about how frustrated you are with those same CNAs. Oh, if they just figure out this or they're never going to understand this or whatever. Hmm. See, outside the box leaders that I know Behind closed doors, I mean, I mentioned Chase already, and this is one not not to deify him or, or set him too much <laughs> up as a, an example. But but when I go then behind closed doors, mm-hmm. he continues to talk about those CNAs and those housekeepers the same way he talks to them. He just says they're just such great people, uh, just genuine admiration. They are out of the box because they see them as people, not objects that cause them issue. That's awesome. I, I think that's just especially thinking about it in terms of being behind closed doors. I thought that was a great example. I mean, think of somebody that yeah. you've loved that's worked with you and that, and that now they want to go work somewhere else. Do I still have that same love or am I now frustrated for that person? <laughs> right. If I'm out of the box towards that person, I'm only happy for them. Right. Right. I want the best for them, no matter what frustrations or, or problems yeah. that because they're not an object, they're a person. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'll say this. Sorry. Their hopes and dreams are as important to me as my hopes and dreams. That's what it means to be outside of the box. That's awesome. I, I know that as I've read this um, and others I know have read this, honestly, they felt the guilt (laughs) and realization uh, about how they're in the box with people, like I had kind of mentioned earlier. Um, And it happens to me whenever the subject comes up. It reminds me of Stephen uh, Covey's subway story that you always kind of tell. Yeah, I overtell that one, right? But (laughs) But it's a good story. story It's a good story. He realizes what the family is going through and his whole paradigm changes. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, he was in the box towards this this person and then then ends up, like you said, having his paradigm shift and moving out of it. So, Really yeah. explain to us what 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 the self-deception is. So, you know, going back to the baby example, I think self-deception is the baby being sure that the furniture is the problem. <laughs> That's a great right. Great I, example, I, yeah. I, this is I I see it all around me, but the the irony about being in and out of the box is as soon as I see and judge somebody for being in the box towards somebody, I'm now in the box towards that person. <laughs> so it's sort of a double-edged sword that I can't. But but it's it's I think self-deception is you. Uh, you know, thinking that your team is the problem. Right. Uh, there's a really interesting story uh, about a European doctor in the mid 1800s uh, in in Vienna's General Hospital, and his his name is is you know I, I speak Spanish, not German, but it's Ignax. Ignaz Simmelweis. Right. That seems good. That's my uh, <laughs> Ich liebe dich. Okay. That, was pretty, that was pretty good. So, so this was a research hospital in Vienna, Austria. Okay. And they were uh, trying to figure out this, this horrible mortality rate that they were having amongst the women in the maternity ward. Women were choosing to give birth on the street rather than go into this, what they call the death trap. That's 
that's horrible. They, because it was it was just <laughs> really shocking. common. Remember, yeah. this is the 1800s, and wow. they they the women were contracting something they called childbed fever. Okay. And everything they tried to help them was failing. I mean, these doctors were working overtime and so hard, and they they didn't want these deaths to occur. They cared so much, yeah. you know. So obviously, they thought they couldn't be the problem. More than half the women who contracted the disease died within days. So Simmelweis was was obsessed with finding a cure, and his unit was experiencing the highest numbers of deaths. So there were multiple units. Mm-hmm. His unit was the worst, <laughs> but he was the most passionate the one most, about yeah. trying to find a solution. But nothing he tried was working. So he took a four-month leave to go visit another hospital to learn. While he was gone, the death rate plummeted. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Which is kind of, <laughs> oh was probably you hard imagine, for him. I would imagine so so. so. so he did some more research, and he came to realize that the problem might be with the cadavers. Remember, this is a research hospital. Right. And many of the doctors were splitting their time between researching cadavers and treating the patients. Remember, this is 1800s. They didn't have any of the the understanding of like germs that we do today. Right, and, and it was right. sort of a precursor to germ theory. So here, particles that couldn't be seen, and that's the phrase I want to emphasize, particles that could not be seen mm-hmm. were transferring from the diseased cadavers to the live patients via the hands of the doctors. Wow. So what do they do? They figure out a hand-washing procedure using lime and chlorine, and that dropped the death rate to one in 100. Wow, from 50% you were, it was yeah. earlier? Yeah, so, so, wow. so upon realizing this, l- listen to Simmelweis's epiphany here. This is his quote, and it's really sad. It kind of breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. Only God knows the number of patients who, were premature, who went prematurely to their graves because of me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> A man with a good heart, working so hard, trying to, you know, doctors who were doing their best that they knew how were carrying the disease that they knew nothing about. And simply, and here's the other thing, simply realizing it allowed them to change it and save so many lives. Such a poignant example, it really is. Yeah, see, see, this germ is self-deception. It's mm-hmm. it's being in the box towards people. We don't know why they aren't listening or why they aren't responding or owning or whatever else, but we're the problem. How we feel about them is the problem. Yeah. Our frustration that we're, we're we're thinking of them as objects that cause us frustration in that very statement that I made that we're thinking about them as objects, mm-hmm. we're inside the box towards them, right? Because because we think they're the problem. Right. So uh, I'm understanding being inside or outside of the box towards okay. someone. I think I've got that down. Okay. Um, and I think I'm starting to understand really what self-deception is. Um, pretending we're not the problem and assuming the problem is just out there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, the problem is out there and I just need to find it right. instead of I'm carrying the disease. Right. Yeah. So um, what then is self-betrayal? Okay. So I like this example they use in the book because I've uh, been there. So, all right. So (laughs) so a husband is asleep with his wife and their newborn baby begins to cry in the middle of the night. Okay. The first thought the man has is, I should get up and take care of the baby. See, you just said, that's just thinking of yourself. That is very thoughtful of you, Clayton. Exactly. I'm a very thoughtful person. (laughs) Boom. So there's the thought, right? That that thought just happened, right? That's the choice. This is headed. That is what he feels he should do. His wife is a human being that he feels he should serve. Mm-hmm. She has hopes and dreams and is probably dreaming right now <laughs> and probably really needs that rest. Right. And so in treating her 
in her humanity, he feels that's the right choice. He can honor that feeling or he can betray it. Okay. Now, here is where self-deception creeps in and leads to self-betrayal. Looks at his wife lying there sleeping. Mm -hmm. A different rationale starts to starts to creep in. I mean, he has to work the next day. That's that's probably got to get up early. Right. She stays home with the baby and 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 he starts to think she's she's often not very appreciative of how hard he's been working. Right. I mean, just notice how now he's right. starting so to justify, he's starting to self-justify and tell himself a story. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the one I say, well, she's breastfeeding and mm-hmm. that doesn't work mm-hmm. when I try it. And, you know, <laughs> so 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 then now now these self-deceptive thoughts well, she's kind of inconsiderate that she doesn't care how much I work. And and uh, then the thought and he says this, is she even sleeping or is she pretending <laughs> to sleep? Hoping that I just get the oh, baby. That, these thoughts are getting darker and darker. They, they do. They get a little bit dark. But it's true. We 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 send ourselves right. down these wormholes. And and here's the point: whether or not she is asleep, whether or not she's faking it, <laughs> is much less important right. than whether he was thinking she was asleep or faking it. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You can only control what you think about other people. You can't control other realities. It's the story you tell yourself. I mean, the example I use all the time, right? Of being in a car and somebody's coming and getting ready to cut me off. Right. And and I can choose the stories that that I tell myself about that person. The point is what he thinks about her and how he perceives her once he starts to deceive himself. He's actually starting to vilify a great person and deceive himself into victimhood. Right, right. Oh, if all of my leaders would just do this and they're turning, they're just, they just want a dollar an hour more up the street or they just, we start to victimize ourselves to our situation. But that's, look, we do this with our teams. We're, we are, we're the ones that we think we're so hardworking and we're good and righteous and we want people to judge our intentions and we just wish everyone knew what we were going through right. and are frustrated because they don't. But then we judge others based on their outcomes. We don't, we don't judge them on their intentions. We want, we want to be judged on our good intentions, right. but we judge them on outcomes and, and the outcomes are they're lazy, they don't care as much, they're late constantly again this is self-deception and self-betrayal is the convincing of ourselves that we that that we should think about or act towards a person in a way that is different from our instinct Hmm. the instinct was i should get up and take care of the baby i should just go take care of it i should let them in wait a second their time's not more important (laughs) than my time or this and we start to betray ourselves the deception goes to the betrayal yeah so self-betrayal is an act contrary to what i feel i should do for another person Okay. So I, I definitely think I'm getting that one as well. Um, if you don't mind, if you could recap for me how self-betrayal and being yeah, in the box so are in really the box, related to each other. Self-deception, self-betrayal. It's funny. I say it's a simple concept, but I, <laughs> the more we get into I'm it, I'm almost you... worried that I'm complicating it more than I should. <laughs> Just go do what you think you should do and treat people like people. <laughs> treat people good. <laughs> we can do this podcast in five minutes. Um, okay. So, so Self-betrayal is an act that is contrary to what I originally feel I should do for another. Okay. That, that first inclination, like getting up to take care of the baby. Right. When I now, now I'm going to take you through a chain. Now, when I betray myself, then I start to see the world in a way that will justify or validate my self-betrayal. Okay. So as an example, oh, my, my team makes me angry or she won't listen to me or or whatever. I'm I'm validating my frustration, right? I'm starting to self 
I'm starting to self-deceive, right? Okay. So when I start to see the world through my self-justifying lens, she makes me so angry. Right. They're right. not listening to me. I'm, I'm the victim. I'm the victim. My view of reality becomes really distorted. You know, this Which guy sense, started yeah. to vilify his wife. Is she even sleeping? Why doesn't she get up? She doesn't appreciate me. <laughs> right. You know, you start you start to see the world through a distorted lens. And we yeah. do this with our teams, almost like they woke up that morning with the goal of making you miserable. <laughs> There's one thing they're going to do when they right? get in. Is just... and, and I know a lot of DONs are listening to me right now going, oh, yeah, I've had that thought. But that's their goal. They want to they want to make they me miserable. They want to come in and make them miserable. So now I'm betraying myself with this distorted view of the world. Mm-hmm. I'm entering the box okay over time these boxes become really one of my characteristics they they become me i carry them with me i and then as i do this i provoke others into the box with me by being in the box with them and and not treating them like people i'm pushing them in the box towards me that that seems like one of the more scary aspects of of being in the box is the effect that has on bringing other people into it with you it's like this death cycle i'm sort of multiplying my world of self-deception and getting more and more people to live in this world Mm. where we are all victims to each other we're all in the box towards each other i mean look at today Mm. we're all victims to each other we're, we're all this. This is this is how. And, and it's just thought, well, that's just natural. You you should you should be frustrated. You deserve to be angry. All of these right, different all things those types because of things. we're right. in the box. Right. They're not people. They're objects. And just bringing more and more people into it with you. Yeah. Um, you know, that that does make a, a whole ton of sense to me. So it really starts with me acting contrary to my belief um, and then creating a world that really justifies that decision. Yeah, and and I think we start to realize that we aren't so much, uh, you know, interested in the actual people as we are what the actual people think of us. If that matters to you more than the actual people, you know, think about how you how you fire somebody or how if you're more worried about what they think of you than about them, then you're in the box yeah. towards them. And that's, we, we start to live in this self-deceiving world where we say we're sorry, but we don't really feel it. We, we don't really care to know people. We don't, we don't take time to learn their names or their stories. And, and we just pretend to care and to know them. But when we feel like they are a weight to us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- they 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 sort of consciously or subconsciously feel like that just they people become a burden to us we mm. we lose our feeling towards people and honestly i don't care how skilled you are as an actor if you lose that actual feeling of humanity towards people you're the problem so so this isn't people skills really that's that's what you're saying then, yeah right? this is the, this is different than you know we did we did three podcasts on uh, how to win friends and influence people right. that is a lot you know smile and use right. their name <laughs> right. and all Dif- those things d- matter different, different but they don't matter if you don't care actually yeah. care about yeah. the person this isn't acting school i look people skills are on the outside and no matter what we're doing on the outside people primarily respond to how we feel about them mm-hmm. on the inside. And how you're feeling about them on the inside depends on whether or not you're in or out of the box with them. Mm-hmm. When your housekeepers are late, are they a nuisance to you? Or are you genuinely concerned with what is causing them to be late? <clears throat> right? <clears throat> are you in or it's, out it's of the it's box? It's warm in here. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> right? I mean, it's, and, and again, I same thing where I realize, okay, clearly I'm in the box. When If... Uh, I could go on scenario after scenario and you realize that that you're in the box with people a lot. Let's use an example um, that that most of us can relate to. Okay. 
So imagine you're on a, I just flew yesterday. Imagine you're on a Southwest flight with open seating. Okay. That's, that's yes, so I'm, funny. I'm, all right. So, I'm, I'm with you, right? I'm with you so far. I, this can, ha- I can relate. So, so they announced, this is so funny. This totally happened to me yesterday. They announced <laughs> that the flight will be mostly full, but not all full. <laughs> So I had a seat that was um, on the aisle and somebody was seating in the window with an open middle seat. Okay. So I'm lucky. I'm like, okay, I've got an open side. So you're hoping, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm going to say. I, you're I hoping exactly that middle seat say. stays open. Yep. Right? So you can fly in comfort. <laughs> Who are you thinking about? You're thinking about your humanity. Absolutely. You're thinking about your hopes and dreams. Absolutely. Right? So passengers are hunting for seats and they're now streaming down the aisle. So you've got a bag. What do you do with the bag? <laughs> kind of set it on the middle seat next to you, hoping that somebody doesn't ask you to move the bag. <laughs> right. Right? Or your computer or whatever. Or you start to work without making eye contact with anybody. Uh, okay. So yep, what do you that, think that, of that, me I so used, far? The, I, the, it's okay. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm kind of with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think the same thing as I always have, Clayton, that you're yeah. very thoughtful, considerate. Yeah, right. Um, no, you think I'm a jerk. Right? <laughs> All right. In this scenario, yes, I you're don't being a jerk. Want you're being a jerk. Some Somebody to sit next to me. And what's funny is, is yesterday somebody came and they, they said, Hey, is that seat taken? And I turned around and I looked back at all the aisle and window seats available. <laughs> I'm like, really? You want this middle seat? And there's all of those available? And I didn't say anything. And I'm like, yeah, it's available. You know, it's really it's, it's really interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll take that example, though. And, and even though that's the case, right? But, uh, yeah. you know. Based on what you've been telling me, you're you're really not seeing any of those people as as people. I don't um, care about with, where they want to sit. Nope, They're just needs a nuisance and to me. Desires, your fear, you're looking for for sort of any other option. You see them as nuisances and a problem and a threat, um, and their need really didn't seem to matter. You and this is an example of how you can be in and out of the box towards people you've never even met before. That's a, that's a right. That's a, that's a, that's on a the freeway, yeah. on the plane. That's the principle. Imagine. Imagine if I had a team and not a single one of them doubted that their needs came before my own. They Mm. felt safe with me. Those are the people that would walk through walls for me because I would for them. They know they don't doubt that I care just about as much about their happiness as I do my own. I will take care of them. Before I take care of myself, right? What's the book or uh, the the Simon Sinek? He says leaders eat last or, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Okay. Now let's take the same scenario. Okay. This is a true story they tell in the book now that you're flying on this same plane. Okay. But now you're with a loved one. You get on later and you can't find two seats together. Okay. You're trying to find, you're trying hard to find these two seats together, but you can't. You realize that you're going to need to fly separately. Mm-hmm. A lady comes up to you and says, if you two would like to sit together, you can take my seat right here and I'll just trade with you. Nothing in it for her. She okay. just considered your needs as important as hers. Yeah. Now compare how she and I felt during those situations. <laughs> I was uptight right. and tense, like, please, nobody take this seat. Please, nobody take this seat. I'm I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. I'm desperately trying to save an open seat next to me. I'm slyly observing other passengers. You know, really, though, the view is that I'm superior to others. Whether you admit that or not, my needs came first. Right, right. With the lady, it, it wasn't, it, you know, Others weren't just objects. She was looking at somebody. Oh, they would probably really like to seat together, sit together. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna give them this seat, 
and she was probably just a lot more light and happy. I mean, she just <laughs> is happily giving up her in her convenience, you know, for inconvenience to provide a convenience for me or others. She's outside of the box. I'm in the box. And what's really interesting about that example is the mental state of her. You would just picture her happiness level being yeah. and stress level and anxiety being so much better than than yours. And, and, and see, and sometimes it, we yeah. think being out of the box means you're going to get walked all over. But she seems to be the happier. Yeah, one. she seems to be having a better ex- experience on the whole plane than flight. I was. Like, please <laughs> don't sit there. Um, you know, thinking about the subject, talking about it, um, I can, I can, you know, I can really start to see how I'm, I'm largely in the box. We are people. all in the box. Uh, I want to stress that again. <laughs> if you are listening, thinking I've got this one nailed, you, you wrong, don't, <laughs> you don't, and I'm in the box telling you that. <laughs> uh, you know, even thinking about um, Gosh, meeting it. people and remembering their names, yeah. um, I realize if I'm not interested in remembering their name for more than ten seconds, that I'm probably not interested in that person as a person and looking at them as an object. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, this whole, this whole concept of, you know, if I'm in, if I'm outside of the box with people, they're going to walk all over me. Right. right. I, I think that is wrong because inside the box doesn't mean our behaviors are hard and outside doesn't mean our behaviors are soft. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mean anything about our behaviors, whatever the mm-hmm. behavior, what matters most is how we see the person okay. that Stephen. It's why I <laughs> overtell the story of Stephen Covey on the subway. What Stephen Covey, uh, you know, he still needed to correct those kids. He still needed to stop them from knocking newspapers out of people's hands. Mm-hmm. He just learned to see them as people who had just lost their mother, and and it how he felt towards them was the difference, not how he treated them or how he. he talk to them or or anything like that so if i'm in the box towards someone um how do i get out and how do i stay out please yeah you know this this is the one that is so interesting to me because this is like the big question of the book like okay and and i have gotten out of the box and gone right back in with with the past so yeah it's not a you're either an in the box or an out of the box person it's who are you toward you i'm sure we're different in our relationships it's a lot easier for me to be outside of the box with my children Mm mm-hmm because I mm-hmm. so genuinely care. I will give my life for them. Yeah, that makes sense. I will give my seat for them. I do want them to be comfortable. I want them to be happy. I work for them. I, I you know, I'm out of the box with them. So here, here's the interesting answer to this. Okay. In the moment, think think of a relationship right now. Think of somebody that you're clearly in the box towards. They're frustrating you. They're making your lives miserable. Okay. In the moment when you really feel a true desire to be out of the box for them, mm-hmm. you're out. That is the, the most simple answer. Ding, ding, I was ding, 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 I was ding, not yeah. expecting that. I was as, not expecting. Yeah, that. as soon as as soon as you have that desire to feel the desire to be out of the box towards a person is to be out. You're in wow. control. You can be out of the box anytime you truly want to be. But but sometimes the reality is we like to be in the box. <laughs> and we don't. Okay. We feel like we need the box. It's yeah. our comfort. It's our it's our validation for us being victims. Yeah. See, we walk around saying, I'm doing the best I can, but I'm not perfect, but neither are you. So cut me some slack. But here's the dirty little secret of being in the box. When I'm in the box, mm-hmm. I need people to cause me trouble. I need problems. They justify me. I need you to victimize me because because you validate me. The the book says this. Hmm. It's it's really interesting. It says there's a peculiar irony to being in the box. 
however bitterly I complain about someone's poor behavior toward me and about the trouble it causes me, I also find it strangely delicious. <laughs> That's really it's, interesting. It's, it's my proof that others are as blameworthy as I've claimed them to be <laughs> and that I'm as innocent as I claim myself to be. Hmm. The behavior I complain about is the very behavior that justifies me. And that's why I provoke them. So that's the end of the quote. That's why I provoke others into the box. It's sort of a collusion. Yeah, that makes sense. Get, get other people. Validate you, Absolutely. I get you in. Absolutely. You cause me more problems. And see, this is why I'm not having success. See, this is why my turnover is high. See, I told you, I told you, I am a victim. Self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and, and here's the lie. We all think that all of our problems would just be solved if Johnny would just do X, Y, Z. If they would just get a clue, if they would just choose differently, if they would just be on time, if they would just care more, even if it's true that they need to improve, I'm not blaming them because they need to improve. Mm -hmm. I'm blaming them because their shortcomings justify my failure to improve. I hope I hope a truth bomb was just yeah. dropped on a lot of you. That's why there 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 have been times in our lives when we've been happy or justified when somebody else fails. Wow, that is that is really hard and painful to hear. Yeah, this is a great a great uh, so far. Thank you, Claire. I'm gonna, uh, um, it's painful. No, it is it is painful, yeah. but I, I it's equally important. So then, one final question, really, from me on the topic today. Okay, uh, what if I'm the only one? that is outside of the box and what if everyone <laughs> I'm dealing with is in the box, right? Then then nothing gets accomplished and I get walked all over, right? Yeah, this is the other great secret secret of this uh, topic. You, you just can't care about anyone else mm. being in or out of the box. That can't be your concern. Okay. Because you should only be concerned about whether or not you're in the box. Because as soon as you do, you're in the box with them. As soon as you say, well, you're in the box, boom, you just you're put in yourself box. in the box because yeah. you've, you've objectified them. Uh, they, they are causing you problems. You're victimizing yourself to them. As soon as you stop worrying about that and only think about them as people, you're out of the box and it doesn't concern you if they're in or out. That is out of your control. You can practice this in the grocery store, on the freeway, at work, <laughs> wonder about people's lives, see them as humans. And honestly, watch magic happen. As soon as you change the way you see people, you will magically see those people change. And again, why was this book one of our first books? There is nothing that is more important. You know, I thought I had um, gone over and talked about this, this subject a, a lot in the past. But uh, I mean, really, there's been a, just a number of insightful of things that, that you brought out about the subject for me today and just really, really powerful subject. So um, really, thank you, Clayton. This has Good. been a good. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really important topic. And I, I really feel like if we can master it, it would just have a dramatic impact on, on our mission. It sure seems like it. It sure seems like it. So really, thank you for your time today. And um, everybody, uh, tune on in. See how old I am? Tune on in. <laughs> tune, tune, on in. tune your dial to, <laughs> to our next podcast. Uh, anyway, thank you, everybody. All right, thanks.